Hello everybody and welcome to the Champions Cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spateri, joined by Allison Aletha. How are you, Al? I'm doing peachy. And uh, another very special guest of our show for this week, David Wayne Nystrom. David, it's good to have you back. It's been a while since we talked Fire Emblem back on the show. Uh, how you doing? Doing Matt? good, doing good. Glad to be here. So we have got... We've got a nice episode, and uh, and David's joining us this week because him and I have been uh, playing one of the the lesser appreciated Legend of Zelda games, and of course, I can only be talking about the Legend of Zelda Four Swords Adventures. This this week, we are going to dive into that game, talk about what it's like to play it solo, what we like to play it multiplayer, and then we are going to actually talk about the story and the lore because like there is a lot of uh there's a lot of meat on the bone in this game like a surprising amount to kind of dig into once you actually get past the gimmick of the four links so we're gonna be uh we're gonna be diving into that but before we get there uh we have a little bit of nintendo news to go around uh, so let's just dive in and uh start off with the legends cookbook edition digital edition rather that is uh, that is out now digitally and this was kind of a surprise was it not they released a digital only version uh this uh you're listening on monday it would have been on friday so now you can you can cook like a hero as right now as you're as you guys are reading this or listening to this uh did either one of you guys go ahead and get the the legendary cookbook here i did actually i did um my wife got it for me as a father's day present last year she made a big contribution to it in my name so i got the the cool version coming at some point that's awesome i haven't gotten it yet but i have uh i i want to i have the ambition to get it (laughs) i think what everyone listening needs to know is have you managed to cook any dubious food yet i have cooked plenty of dubious food in my life uh (laughs) nothing out of the cookbook yet (laughs) I mean, I, I guess the point of the cookbook is to avoid the dubious food. This is true. Um, so yeah, that is available online right now. Um, I, I know that just a ton of people were really excited about the uh, the Legends cookbook. So you know, if you're if you're looking for a PDF version, it's out, and it has tons of of really cool recipes inside of it. So maybe we'll do maybe one day we'll we'll do a, a live Champions Cast watch along at the marathon one year where we. Uh, where we just try and cook something. I think that would be a disaster, but that'd be fun. It would be so That fun. sounds amazing. <laughs> Someone else would have to take the lead because I am no cook. Everything I touch is dubious. I might like, I might have to I might bring that up. That might be something. Well don't don't do it this year because I want to do it and I can't go this year. Which makes me sad to say. So let's move on to some happier news. Um the Nintendo Switch has officially taken over the uh, Super Nintendo in terms of lifetime sales, which is pretty pretty astonishing. You know, I think that we all thought that uh, this was going to do better than the Wii U, but the the pace that the Switch has been marching towards since its release is just like it's crazy. Like we're not even three years into the system's life, and it's already overtaken the GameCube, N sixty four, Super Nintendo. I mean, overtaking the Wii U isn't really a big deal, but um, it's 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 incredible right now it only has uh the nes and the wii ahead of it so i'm not sure that it's going to catch those guys but you know at the rate it's going it might stand a chance so that's pretty cool that's awesome 
Yeah. I think the good thing about that too is like you see you see that number reflected in uh, the games and how well they've sold. Nintendo just released, or not Nintendo, I guess, but the uh, the numbers were just released for some Nintendo games that came out uh, within the past couple months. And like, it's incredible how well every game on the Switch seems to be selling. Pokemon uh, Sword and Shield, did you guys see how many copies that those games have sold already? Mm-mm, how many? Take a guess. Uh, 39 million? It's, no, it's not that much. Yeah. Okay. Pretty <laughs> Six. I, I mean... Uh... All right, so you're too high, she's too low. It is sold 16 million. Oh, wow. How okay. have I not guessed that? Woo! Woo! <laughs> uh, yeah, that's absolutely crazy, though. Luigi's Mansion is over 5 million. Um, even Astral Chain is over a million copies sold. It just speaks to the power of the Switch, and, uh, you know, it's... It seems like all the momentum is behind it right now. Um, speaking of the Switch, another little uh, tidbit of news. Apparently, there is no pro version of the Nintendo Switch coming out in 2020. You know, I, Nintendo said that. I don't know if I believe that, but I guess I'll, I'll take their word for it. I don't know that I would like to see a pro version of the Switch myself, but uh, I know a lot of people would. So I, I do hope that it's maybe something that comes out eventually. But I, you know, I think that you can't really take anything like that at face value, like in this era where like people want to be surprised and hold their cards close to the chest. I don't know. I think it's, I think it might happen still. What exactly does pro version mean? What does that entail? Well, so basically, you know, it's kind of like the opposite of the Switch Lite, where the Switch Lite is uh, like a portable only, um, you know, designed for more casual play, I guess would be the way to say it. Mm -hmm. This would be kind of like the PlayStation Pro in the sense that, like, you'd have higher graphical fidelity, you've had uh, presumably better run times, frame rates, etc., etc. You might be able to play some of the... Some some of, like, the big games, let's say, like, a Cyberpunk 2077 that, you know, typically uh, when publishers are asked why this game or that game isn't coming to the switch, they'll say that the switch doesn't have the capabilities to handle that. A switch pro would kind of, um, be able to play those kinds of games. And a lot of people have really been, yeah, a lot of people have been really looking for it. I don't know. I think it's, could happen. I, I have hope. I don't think I would buy one myself because to me, a switch pro kind of like it, not that it ruins the gimmick of the switch, but the, the big draw of the switch is being able to play anywhere, anytime docked on the couch, whatever. Right. So, um, I don't know. I, I think it would be cool for the people that want it though. I agree. So I hope he's just pulling, uh, pulling our chains here. <laughs> um, let's get into what we're here for and let's talk all about the legend of Zelda four swords adventures. Um, I just finished a solo playthrough of Four Swords Adventures and was extremely impressed. Uh, David, I know that you are playing this game right now. Where where are you currently at in uh, Four Swords? I'm, I'm just crossing into Frozen Hyrule. I was I was trying to get through more of it, but my son was wanting to play, and then he got grounded, so I kind of had to... Or he was wanting to watch me play, I should say. So then I had to balance, do I play or do I wait for him to not be grounded? So I played as much as I could, and then... <laughs> So you've got you've got I've, like one one, one world area plus left. yeah yes so I guess we should we should specify how this game works so there's different are they worlds 
I think they're I think they're actually called levels, but I think I mean the best way to think of them is as like worlds, like in uh, like in maybe like in Super Mario or something like that. Because maybe, each maybe one... let's just let's go ahead and classify them as different areas, and then sure. each level is its own thing, just so that we have kind of a a base for what we're talking about here. Um, so before and Allison, I know that you've played this game uh, here and there, multiplayer at the marathon before. Have you? You've never experienced this uh, single player. I have never played it single player. I did watch a bit of a playthrough of a single player this week, just to kind of gear up for this episode. I'm mostly here to be educated, but I did see some things that I was like, you know what? That looks like it'd be fun to play by yourself rather than with four players. I agree. Um... Well, for reference, I've never played it multiplayer. I have only ever had the single player experience with it. Oh, okay. I I had only ever really played it multiplayer because I just, for whatever reason, back in the day, I passed on Four Swords Adventures. And I guess not for whatever reason. I think, you know, Four Swords Adventures is, I don't want to say the black sheep, but it's definitely the most underrepresented game in the Zelda series. It's the, it's the title that is sold the least amount of copies. It's a title that probably gets talked about the the least amount in kind of Zelda pop culture, if you will. So I think a lot of people passed on it because of the the gimmick of the four links, but more so I think a lot of people passed on it because it was sold as a multiplayer game. But in order to play multiplayer, you need this ridiculous Game Boy Advance and Game Boy Advance connector shenanigans, which is like super just incredibly defeating the whole purpose of playing multiplayer but we'll we'll dive into that in a little bit here um for now let's let's go over and let's talk about the actual game itself and i just i had some observations that i wanted to make after playing it single player and david you can chime in with some of yours as well but here's here's where i want to start and i know that this sounds just like a super like like duh obvious statement to make but this really is a much much different game single player than multiplayer is it not from from being the only single player perspective it's i would have to imagine it is because from what i've watched of like when multi people multiple people play it it's all about you know you're fighting over the force gems you're you know how, how many times can you hit your buddy and then steal their force gems so that you have mm-hmm. the most at the end of the level versus in this one where the only thing the only thing that matters for force gems is you get to 2000 total and you're good (laughs) i kind of imagine single player being where i actually play and and versus multiplayer where i'm carrying andy to make sure he doesn't sabotage his teammates (laughs) uh yeah yep pretty much you've had to do that uh, a few times here and there But I mean, that that was my experience with uh, Four Swords Adventures. Like, I, I always really liked Four Swords Adventures, but I liked it because, you know, you're basically messing with your teammates. Like, for me, it was fun to just kind of, like, throw Josh off a, off the edge into the into a pit and for him to die because of that. Like, that was, that was the fun part about Four Swords Adventures to me. So, in my mind, like, each each level is almost like a little competition or, like, it's very frantic, Whereas when you play single player, like it really did hit me like it, it is much more strategic and there's a lot of um, 
there's a lot of thought that you need to put in and it feels like like in when you play multiplayer with people it feels like you're reacting to a lot of things you're like you're always in a rush to collect force gems and like whereas when you play single player and you can take your time if there's four chests that pop up you can take your time and go to each one um and, and you can get all of the spoils so it, it yeah it just it seemed to me like like it's such a obvious statement but it just completely changed the complex of the entire game for me so like all i had really ever known was that frantic kind of style messing with everybody else so yeah it was a real eye-opener for me in the first i would say like two levels or so and it and it took me a little while to kind of adjust to that after you know kind of all the shenanigans of playing multiplayer i think that sounds i i, I feel like that sounds more appealing almost i, I mean i almost feel inspired to get a version of it myself and play it solo just so that i can um go through the game more completely it, it feels more like a traditional zelda game and those and when you're when you do that and i mean that kind of is an obvious statement too but it's you know it's like okay there's four chests here well i just get to open all four by myself so you also have that little you don't have to you're not competing with other people at the same time as like like you were saying andy it's just you know you can take your time. You can go through and you can be like, cool. Oh, here's a hundred force gems in this one. Here's 10 in this one. Oh, there's a power bla- bracelet in this one. Sweet. It, it Yeah. I mean, you kind of said it right there, but I, I want to say that again. Like when you play it solo, it really feels like you're playing a traditional Zelda game because when you play it multiplayer, it really doesn't feel like that in a lot of ways. Um, you know, you, uh, obviously this game isn't exactly your traditional zelda no matter how you slice it but like yeah playing solo when you can just take your time you're a bit more meticulous and uh it's a bit more you plot out your moves um it it, it did give me kind of the same vibe as you know being in a dungeon in a zelda game i don't think you're ever going to have the same experience like like that you have in zelda with overworlds and stuff like that but yeah, like the almost each each level almost feels like its own little little dungeon almost. So playing it solo was really, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was I guess this is the best way I can think to put it. I was surprised by the Zeldaness of it. Like I'd always imagine this is like the weird spinoff, but when I was playing it, I was like, yeah, okay, this is a Zelda game. Interesting thing about that, how you said like each level is almost a dungeon. Last night I was doing just a little extra research into the backside of it, and the game was originally actually delayed to work on the single-player mode, and the the vision that they had for the single-player was that each level felt like its own dungeon. So essentially this this game has something like you know 46 or something like that dungeons, or more, more than that, whatever it is. This is how it essentially broke down in the developers' minds. Yeah, no, totally. I can definitely see that. And like it's it's dungeon or I guess quote unquote dungeons where you wouldn't expect them to. Like everybody often says uh, Village of the Blue Maiden is one of the best levels in the game. And I agree. I think it's one of the best levels, maybe the best level in the entire game. But like it really is just like a giant puzzle, even though you're in a, a town with all these other townsfolk and stuff like that. So it's very it's very intricate in the way that uh, it's laid out. Actually, like really. That was another thing that I was impressed by playing Four Swords Adventures was like almost everything is very intricate. Again, I just like I think I'm just so used to playing this multiplayer and with the hecticness and all the you know everything that's going on and, and rushing for force gems. Like when you can stop and you don't have to rush and constantly go from one spot to the next, like there is a lot of really 
great puzzles to be found. And even in single player, it's, um, I was kind of wondering how you, like, I was wondering how you would go about and, and do a lot of these puzzles that required Link to be here and, and then another Link to go off into a separate space. Um, the quick alignment in this game is really awesome, mm-hmm. I found. It really helps playing solo. So, Allison, when you're playing single player, you, you basically use, if you're playing on a GameCube controller, mm-hmm. you use the C-Stick, and if you press up on the C-Stick, the four links will form a box. If you press, uh, like, sideways, they'll form a diamond, a straight line, a vertical line, etc. And that's, like, pretty much for 90% of your puzzles in the game, you just need one of those four formations. So it's not as... Because I was kind of thinking that it was going to be a pain in the butt if you needed all the Zelda or all the links to go into like a different place, mm-hmm. and that um, that aspect or that mechanic really, like I I thought that it really helped. It really made it a lot easier than perhaps it otherwise would have been. I did see that in the playthrough I was watching, and I thought it was interesting. I was like, ooh, that's actually kind of nice looking. And it, I mean, it would be more hectic if it, they didn't have that function, but it's even more hectic in multiplayer when you're just like, okay, get over here. I'm trying to. I wish you kind of had that button in multiplayer so you could like get one people person, on track. One person be the leader. <laughs> exactly. You line up here now. <laughs> that would so, be I mean cool. like that's that's almost half your half the time spent at a level right there is trying <laughs> to get all the links in one place to do the same thing, right? Exactly. No, that's So yeah, nice I, I really like that. that. I will say that the uh, the downfall of playing single player though is there there's just no good way to take control of all the links individually like if green link needs to go on a switch and then red link needs to go on a switch on the other side of the room basically you have to there's a button where you can scroll through each colored links and then control them while the other links will stay still so it does take a while if they're like again for example if there's four switches and they're on opposite ends of the rooms it does take a while to manually move every link to all those buttons. I think that that's the only really instance where I noticed the um, the downfall of playing solo in this game. Is there anything else that you can think of? That shows up kind of with the, the same thing with um, the, the boss at the end of the, the, the evil pyramid or whatever the that level is where you're fighting. the. It's basically Moldurm from Link's Awakening, but the tail changes colors. And then eventually there's two of them, and the, again the tail changes colors, so you have to rotate through. And you can leave the you know the different colored links in different spots on the floor, but if they get knocked down, they fall down to the pit below, and that gets annoying. <laughs> you know the other side of that though, with the good part about that. So if you're if you selected that you just are playing as Green Link, and the other guys are at the other side of the room, if an enemy is about to smack you right in the face, you're about to lose a bunch of hearts. You can quickly just press the uh, the button, and you become Red Link, and then the damage isn't taken because Green Link just becomes a stagnant player, and you can kind of quickly cycle back. So it's kind of a it's kind of a neat little hack. Actually, there is there is one other part that is kind of uh, it's kind of a bummer playing solo, but also at the same time, it, it, I kind of like it because it adds a bit more strategy to each level. So Al, when you're playing um, Four Swords Adventures multiplayer. All four links can have their own items. Right. And you can you can plow through a level like that pretty easily, just provided that, you know, you have what you need to, to go. In in solo player, you when one link takes a bow, every link takes a bow. Nobody can hold on to another item. So that's like it, it's kind of a pain in the butt, but also it does add, I think, another layer into all the different levels. Um I you know, I've always been a fan of that one item gimmick 
in this game. Like I, I thought that it was kind of cool. I don't know where, where, where do you guys stand on that? I like it. it. It works. It's unique to this game, really. I can't think of any other Zelda game. Maybe the I don't I don't remember the original Four Sword that came with Links uh, a Link to the Past on Game Boy Advance on that remake. But in this one, at least, it's it is as far as like like I said, as far as I remember, very unique to this. So that you're always just you know, okay, well I've got the bow now, so now I have to work with the bow. What can what puzzles can I solve with the bow? And then if you realize okay i've solved all the puzzles and there's four items in this room what other items is it giving me boomerang lantern okay can i use this to solve that puzzle and so it does i like it in the sense that it does bring that extra element of strategy into it you can't you'll get to a point where like okay i've solved all the puzzles but now i have this item what puzzle can i solve with this and how and figuring out how that works yeah, totally. I think that, like, I, I personally like the gimmick. I know that some people don't, and I can understand why they don't. But, I, I yeah, I thought that it added an extra layer and, like, an extra kind of, you got to think a little bit ahead. And you got to, if you see if you see the items, like, obviously you know you're going to need them, so it's just a matter of where. So I, I really like that. Um, a couple other notes that I had from my playthrough here. I see, uh, I'm going to talk about Village of the Blue Maiden again. Um, I see that people often praise it for its music. You know, I actually thought that the music was just okay. What do you think, David? Same. I, I, I have. I can't name any particular tune that is especially unique. Like original to yeah. Four Swords. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing that stands out as this is the Four Sword theme. The main theme, like on the title screen, is like a slowed down Zelda's Lullaby. I think. Or uh, maybe it's the original tune, um, like the main overworld theme. I can't remember now. but And that's kind of nice. But it, again, it's just the same song slowed down a little bit. Pretty much, yeah. I think I think it's the overworld theme. Um, but yeah, there there's not really a lot of original music in this game. Which, I mean, on one hand, it's okay. Like, yeah, I'm certainly not complaining because we get all of the, the great tunes from A Link to the Past. But... On the other hand, yeah, I think that maybe uh, I wrote down like, do people think that Village of the Blue Maiden is a great tune because it's like the only tune they can think of from this game that is its own thing? <laughs> that makes I sense. don't know that that just stuck out to me uh, a little bit when uh, when I was playing it. Um, I do like, and you know, I've I've noticed this before when we're playing at the marathon, we're playing multiplayer, but maybe it's just because I sat down and played every level. There's a lot of awesome stuff from like the 3D world of Zelda's that is in this 2D presentation that I really like. There's um there's like the the Phantom Ganons from uh from the Wind Waker. There's there's Kaipora Gabora in here. There's just, there's just like a lot of really uh you know there's the the god what's his name from Wind Waker the Hammerlock King. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's just like a lot of really fun like throwbacks from the 3D Zeldas at the time in this game that I uh, I really enjoyed and it's it's kind of cool to see like and I think Minish Cap kind of built on this later but it was kind of cool to see all those guys show up in this game I liked it a lot. I think that's kind um, of a I think that's actually kind of cool, and I was when you said that I was thinking of Minish Cap and how a lot of the things I notice in Minish Cap are like the sounds that are recycled from other Zelda games, like. So you got Four Swords Avengers that has all these like recurring characters that are from other 
3D Zelda games, and I just think that's kind of cool, because then you can look at it and be like, oh my god, I know that guy. This is neat. Or, oh, I know the sound. That's cool. <laughs> I want to say, and I, I, I could be wrong. Somebody might have to fact check me here. But I want to say that uh, Minish Cap was the first Zelda game to introduce all of the rest of the Tingle Brothers. Oof, I don't know. Uh, Didn't the Wind Waker have multiple Tingle Brothers? Because they were the ones pushing. I don't think they had names. They... Because they were pushing the top of Tingle's Tower. Uh, I know you can get Tingle statues in Wind Waker, and those might have had the names on them for the figurine set. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know that I wanted to be fact-checked that quickly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Wind Waker is my second let's, favorite, so let's, I, let's I, I remember on. multiple tingles. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, any game with multiple tingles is, uh, is obviously a game for me. Actually, let's take a sidebar here for a second. I love that, like, people think of me and, like, like they're just like, oh, this guy likes tingle. Remember, uh, so I'm on, I'm, I'm at home yesterday. I'm on my couch, and uh, David takes me on Twitter on something. I'm like, what is this? And it's a, it's a link, and he's like, he's like, yeah, I saw this and thought of you, and it was a, a pack called Too Much Tingle Pack. So naturally, I was just like, I've already looked into this. Actually, I know all about it. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just saw it, and I'm like, I, all I can picture is the, there's a, there's a picture of you with get your your face imposed on tingle's suit and that's all i can think of when i hear tingle so <laughs> the tingle nice. games are really fun just saying anybody that is anybody that has not played them you you are you are missing out you owe it to yourself to play them isn't there an episode of the champions cast that goes over that somewhere two yep we did one for rosie rupeland we did one for balloon trip of love uh, nice. Both available in the Champions Cast archives. So shout out to that. Uh, let's get back to Four Swords Adventures here. I did have another observation when I was playing solo. So when you're playing multiplayer, the big thing in this game is you're collecting Force Gems and you're fighting for Force Gems. So obviously, just by the nature of playing by yourself, that is pretty much eliminated. Um, you do not have at the end of each level where you have like who was the best link who was the worst link etc etc because obviously you're all on the same team um so it's really like you know you do need to collect like you do need to collect uh 2000 force gems in order to beat each level but like that's just so easy that to me force gems were pretty much irrelevant in solo play i think i only had one or two levels where i didn't hit the 2000 by the time i'd beat the level boss and the first time it happened, I, I remember because I went back and forth between the boss chamber because there were a few force gems in there. So I thought I could, you know, gather up the last 60 force gems one at a time. <laughs> it, that ate up a little time. But yeah, there's no, other than hitting that 2000, it's very, and it's pretty, usually pretty easy to, I mean, there's a few levels where I've had over 5,000 by the time I get done. Like I, so I was about halfway through the game. And I had no idea that you even needed to hit the 2000 to beat the level because I was just hitting it so easily. Sure. And, and I got there and I was like, what, like they're irrelevant. And then someone's like, no, 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 you need them in order to power up the master sword to, uh, or the four sword to hit the, at the end of each level, there's four little eyeballs that are covered in shadow. And if you don't have 2000 force gems, you cannot hit oh, them. So like, okay. It's but it's so easy to get these force gems that I was just like, okay, well this you know I I guess they're for nothing. So it took me until like 
half the game to even realize that was the point of collecting them. Yeah, and you do get more force fairies, the more force gems that you get. But yeah, that that was something that I was like not disappointed with because like again, this is just a very different game single player, but like it's such a big part of multiplayer that like in in single player it was definitely more so all about the puzzles and the progression and the strategy whereas multiplayer it's it's kind of about that but really it's mostly just about the force gems and the competition between links so that was something that stood out to me it was just the the depreciation i guess if you want to call it of force gems um during a solo run i i did i did notice too and i have two more notes and then we'll move on to some of the story bits here there is something gloriously Zelda 2 Adventure of Link-ish about the final levels. David, I don't know if you... Have you beat this game all the way through before, or is this your first Yes. Run? Yeah, it's, been, it's oh. been a minute, but yeah, I've beaten it a few times. So, like, the last, the last like, uh, area in the game is up in the heavens, and uh, it's, it's actually kind of like a mix of Zelda 2 and Cloud Tops from the Minish Cap, because, like, you're on the clouds, and it's, like, this 2D just fight scene i don't know it was it was kind of cheesy but like really awesome i loved it uh it you know i was uh i had put down in my notes too and and mossy's kind of came in and uh, debunked me on this but i was like you know i'm surprised that he doesn't like this game more because when i was playing it i was like man this is the closest thing to a zelda arcade game that we'll ever get like it feels like an, ar- an arcade game to me I can see that. Must put in four quarters to advance to mix to the next world, the next area. Like it, it, it's got those self-contained levels. It's got four players on the same screen for you know more or less most of the time. And um, yeah, I don't know. There's just a, there's something very arcadish about it. So yeah, I'm I'm always surprised that he doesn't like it more. I also found actually that the levels are are nice bite-sized levels like you probably don't spend more than 30 maybe 40 minutes at most on any one particular level so i i appreciated that which is funny because we always hear how long this game is from a lot of people at the marathon and it is quite a long game i think it takes us what 12 hours to play it all yeah something like 12 hours but again that's because you have to coordinate with three other people to complete the game whereas you know if you're just playing it solo then you're the only strategist you need there that's a, not, yeah, that's a very good point. Um, <laughs> Even there, though, I feel like it's still probably at least eight hours-ish. I don't, I don't know how much time you're shaving off dealing with other people. I imagine yeah. it's a lot. <laughs> I mean, on on one hand, you, um, you do have the advantage where, like, everybody can have their own item in multiplayer, but I, I think it would take... I think it definitely does take longer because you have everybody just kind of fooling around. Um so okay let's talk about the accessibility of this game and this is the absolute biggest problem that four swords adventures has is that you just you know there's not really a great way to play it like even even myself to in order for me to play this game i had to go and track down a copy of four swords adventures on the gamecube um i had to go and order a Wii HDMI adapter because I have my Wii, but I have the old AVI cables. So I wasn't going to play it like on, <laughs> on my HDTV, not in a, with an HDMI cord. So I got the adapter for that. I had to dig out an old 
GameCube controller for my uh, for my Wii, I had to find an old memory card to save it to. So like, there's just a lot of stuff that you need to to get in order to play this game. And if you want to play it multiplayer, I mean, you you need four Game Boy Advances, um, four GameCube to to Game Boy Advance connection cables. It's it's just terrible. It really is terrible in like actually getting in it, all that you need to play this game. That was probably the reason that I never played it multiplayer growing up because I, so the copy that I have is the same copy I had when I was a kid. Memory cards the same, GameCube's the same. That's all I I have all that stuff and it all works and it still is very nice. But the the reason I never played it multiplayer is because even though all my friends, you know, had GameCubes. We all had Game Boy Advances. The link cables were harder to come by for whatever reason, or you know, maybe our parents just didn't want to give us the allowance money to get link cables. <laughs> I don't know, but it was just it, it, there was never a time when you could have four players or three players even sitting around all with our Game Boy Advances, all being able to be hooked up to somebody's GameCube and playing at the same time it was just it was never a thing so that's why i never had that chance that never that never had that opportunity it was just too much stuff to get together in one place at one time i just realized as andy was explaining how he got to play this single player that i have the capabilities to play the single player right now (laughs) (laughs) all you need is the game i have the Mm -hmm. game (laughs) you whoa I just need the uh, the HDMI converter cable. That's all I need. I, I didn't really realize that I had the... See, that's what that's what we're talking about, the accessibility. Like, you just, you hear about it, um, you know, over the over years and years since this game came out, and you just think, I really don't have the capabilities to play this game, even single player, because you just hear about, like, how difficult it is, even with multiplayer. So now, like, listening to how you just put that together for yourself, Andy. I'm just like, I actually have the capabilities to play the single player. Well, and actually the good part is, is what you're missing is the cheapest part of the ensemble. That's awesome. Um, I, I think that I found a, uh, a Wii HDMI converter for like 10 bucks on Amazon. Nice. Maybe not even actually. I think I have one similar that's an RCA to HDMI that I got on Amazon for like six bucks or seven bucks, something like that. So if, even if you don't have a Wii, but you have a GameCube, you can still RCA into HDMI upgrade. Uh, I will say for any, for, for Allison, if you're thinking of playing it or for anybody that's listening to this and thinking of playing four swords adventures, which I really do encourage you guys to do. This game is really fun to play solo. Uh, get the GameCube adapter. If you have a GameCube instead of a Wii, because mm-hmm. if you do, if you do the Wii, then you have to, then you have to dig out your um, sensor bar and like a Wii mode, and you you have to mess around with that, and then click on GameCube games. I wish I would have actually just gotten the the GameCube adapter instead of the Wii adapter. So there's little uh, there's little pro tip for you guys. Um, but yeah, I I mean I think that this game it it's so ripe for a remake, and I know that we've said it before on this show, but like sitting down and playing it again it just like it really formulated how in my mind this would be an easy task to do um i I, you know the obvious answer is you make this an online game and then that totally takes away the need for game boy advances right if Mm -hmm. if the three of us were playing online and i went into a house then my screen could show that house and your guys' screen could still stay the same with the little arrow that shows where i am right yep the the problem the only problem 
with porting it and making it uh, um, like upgrading it basically would be if you were to play local cooperative play, which I think most people would probably play online cooperative play. But so I'm playing this game solo and I'm like, you know what? This is not as hard as I think that it probably is. If, if you guys were beside me on my couch playing this game. So what happens when you are playing and you walk into a house, a little screen that's like half the size of the regular screen pops up and it's like the Game Boy Advance window, right? Mm -hmm. All you need to do is make that screen just a little bit smaller and move it into the corner. Move it into the top left, the bottom right, whatever. Make it like the old school like split screen, golden eye screens or whatever. That's good enough for the small amount of time that we spend inside houses and caverns where the other guys aren't there. Mm-hmm. I really think it's that easy. And I really think that this game would just benefit so much from being remade. It's it's really, it's a great game to play solo. I was really impressed by how good it was. I think there's a market for it, for sure. For it to be remade. Especially after the abomination that was Triforce Heroes. <laughs> I think <laughs> multi multiplayer Zelda can, like... That game, Triforce Heroes, I think, and I've just actually started to play it again. I picked up a copy today. I don't know why. But it's, uh, uh, one of the reasons that I thought that Triforce Heroes was so bad was because Four Swords Adventures is evidence that multiplayer Zelda can be done correctly and fun and awesome. So, yeah. So, if you, if anyone out there is listening to this and you're kind of on the fence about, you know, pl- is this game any good? Is it not any good? I think that it's actually excellent to play single player. I'm going to go ahead and make a bold statement here. I think that this is my favorite Zelda game released on the GameCube. Ooh. Wait, so I do said you it. consider, do you consider like, oh, never mind. That's a dumb question to ask you. <laughs> No, you go ahead and say it. The people want to hear it. I want to answer it. <laughs> well, I was going to say, are you one of those people that consider Twilight Princess a GameCube game? But then I was like, look at who I'm talking to. He's literally going to say ugly in the next two seconds. <laughs> Twilight Princess is ugly. Definitely. Twilight Princess I, I, is you know a what? fine game. There, I'll, yeah, I'll go on record really, as that. It's, it's ugly, though. It's a fine, ugly game. So, no, what? you know what? Actually, yeah, I want to take this opportunity. Actually, while we're talking about Twilight Princess, <laughs> I I ranked it. First of all, I ranked it higher than Mossy's did on the original show. Second of all, I do like Twilight Princess. I I do like that game. It's just ugly, <laughs> and and right. long, too long, plotting, ugly. Um, but yes, I actually consider that a Wii game because I got it for the Wii. But in the context of my statement of Four Swords Adventures being the best. GameCube game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Twilight Princess is a GameCube game. Yeah, I can't. I can't go there. I can't go that far. It's a great game, but I can't go that far. The Four only... Swords Adventures is a great looking game, actually. That is not an ugly game. That's a really, really nice yes. looking game. Yeah, it's actually I agree. pretty uh, aesthetically pleasing for a Zelda game. Yeah, I like it a lot. Uh, yep, I know. I, I, I was just, I was just about to say something that maybe, maybe I went too far, but I don't think I did. I think I like Four Swords Adventures the most of any game that released on, uh, the most of any Zelda game that released on the GameCube. The only other Zelda game that I could think released on the GameCube was The Wind Waker, or was there, was there another Zelda game? The only ones that I can think of are The Wind Waker, Four Swords Adventures, and Twilight Princess. Same. Yes. 
So I if, can. If I you want to be really, really technical, Ocarina of Time Master Quest Master was technically Quest. released. Yeah, but we're not going to count that. No. Considering no. how much I dislike Wind Waker on the GameCube, I I can get behind your statement, Andy. Uh, yes. That's what I, I'm talking about. I still However, can't. Wind Waker is still a better game than Four Swords Adventures. <laughs> it's just the HD, wow. HD version. <laughs> so I want to talk about the story of Four Swords Adventures. And this is the entire thing that prompted my playthrough of this. I probably would have been okay just to think of Four Swords Adventures as like this frantic multiplayer Zelda that I can play once a year with my friends and we can fool around and, and whatever. But... Every time that we play this game, and it takes us 12 hours, as we mentioned, to play Four Swords Adventures, um, there's just, like, there's a lot of text that we skip. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, I was like, what is going on in this game? Because I've never played it, I had never played it, like, you know, front to back, start to finish. I had just played segments, much like we do at the marathon. So I was like, you know what, I think it's time for me to sit down, play this game, and learn about its story. And I was surprised to see like how much story there is in the game, like how many different references and stuff that there are in this game to, uh, to other Zelda games and like and Zelda callbacks games, and Zelda games that had not yet come like twilight princess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not like, I'm not really, I, everyone listening to this knows I'm not much of like a timeline guy. I think that the whole thing is silly, but I do like, games that reference other or Zelda games that reference other Zelda games and I do like games that are like obviously they have a they have an arc like Four Swords Adventures is a continuation of the story told in Minish Cap and Four Swords so I I do like that I think it's really cool and this you know you you get a really as you get deeper into this game you get some really cool moments I think between some of the series best villains so I guess let's just uh Let's just go ahead and set the stage here. So basically, the story starts off. The Wind Mage Vadi has escaped his ancient seal, and uh, only and he's captured all of the maidens in the land, and he's uh, he's he's wrecking havoc. And what's happened is that uh, that not only is Vadi on the loose, but there are these dark doppelgangers of Link everywhere. So we have just problems all over the place here. Um, Zelda's been captured away in a dark crystal, so basically Link takes the four sword, splits into his fours, and uh, goes and goes off on his adventure to save the maidens and to save Zelda. So like, kind of starts off fairly, you know, fairly normally as any Zelda game does, but you you start to play it, and there's just like a lot of like really, I don't know, interesting stuff here. One of the things that I thought uh, was kind of cool is like. You know, actually, and I guess I'm going to back up for a second here, because this this game made four swords that happened on the Game Boy Advance, like, officially, quote-unquote, canon. It made like, it, it relevant. Referenced, it referenced the events in that game, and, um, you know, that game, like, four swords obviously referenced, or would go on to be, or Minish Cap would kind of take what happened in four swords and use that for the basis for its game. So it's kind of cool how all these all these three games that came out in relatively the same period of time kind of weave their stories together. I'm going to back up here for a sec. Do you guys consider Four Swords and Four Swords Adventures like like canon Zelda games or are they more like spin-off games like like Triforce Heroes to you guys? As some Go ahead, Allison. Oh, I was just going to say I always thought they were canon. I always thought they tied into the story. 
I may not be like super well versed in the story, but I never considered them spinoffs. I guess. I considered it a side story, but definitely part of the larger Hyrulean lore. And you know, I'm I'm somebody who does love the timeline. I love digging into that. There's little gripes I have with it, but overall, I thought I you know I love that. I was super excited. I it it amplified my Zelda fandom when it came out because I had a larger narrative to look at and whatnot. But it, um, to me, it, it established, okay, there's other parts of Hyrule's history and there's other parts of following Skyward Sword. There's other parts of Demise's curse that have manifested in different ways. So it's not just always Ganon, you know, Vadi is this, is another form of Demise's curse. I think Vadi is one of, the best villains in Zelda. Now, granted, you don't get Pecori Vadi in Four Swords or Four Swords Adventures, but, like, still just knowing that that's what he was, like, way back when, I thought that that was really cool. Yep. Um, it establishes that it's been ages since Vadi has been sealed away, and so I was kind of doing some research on this, and I was, like, quite surprised by how far apart, again, according to the Zelda timeline, the... Uh, Four Swords Adventures takes place from Four Swords. So I, th- I want to say Minish Cap and Four Swords are like the second and third games on the Zelda timeline. Yes. Four Swords Adventures is like the very, very last game in the child timeline. So like it's way, way after everything that's happened. That's kind of weird. I don't know why that that struck me. That is one of the things that did always, that does still irritate me because it's, you have these two games that are part of its, you know, inner inner canon, inner lore, but they're so distant and far apart. And then you have, you know, you have essentially you have Ocarina of Time and Twilight Princess and Majora's Mask all crammed in between between these two events. And I'm like, that 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 always kind of sat wrong with me. But what they this is getting a little ahead of us ourselves in the story. But what they do with Ganon, Ganondorf, and all that stuff in Four Sword Adventures, Four Swords Adventures is interesting in that context. Right. Well, I mean, we can kind of just jump all over the place here and talk about the interesting story beats. So I think what you're referencing here is, um, and we'll set the table a bit here. So Vadi is your main villain, um, and you find out that not only are we dealing with Vadi, but you're actually dealing with Ganondorf too. So I was really excited by that because when I was um, when I was playing it, I was like, I don't remember fighting Ganondorf in this game. I'm pretty sure you fight Ganon, but not Ganondorf. So just seeing again, kind of that 3D reference, because when when they say that, of course, I'm thinking of Ganondorf from Ocarina of Time, right? Mm-hmm. So when they when they say that, I was like, sweet. I didn't know that he was back, or like I didn't know that this happened or anything like that. So I was a little bit excited to to finally get down and fight him. The the thing is, is that apparently this is a different Ganondorf. I think I think they make it more clear actually in the manga adaptation, but it is canon if you go into like Hyrule Historia and the Encyclopedia, that Ganondorf is a reincarnation of the Ganondorf from Ocarina of Time Twilight Princess. He's he's so he is his own person, his own individual being but his destiny is essentially tied up in the same 
in the same nasty cycle. I mean, I guess that makes sense because Twilight Princess Ganondorf is he he dies. He's killed. He's not sealed away. He's killed. Yep. I, I yeah. I just thought that was interesting because when I saw it, when I saw Ganondorf, you know, to me, to me, when Zelda when a Zelda game says Ganondorf, that to me implies like the character that we all know and love from some of the more I guess important Zelda games like Ocarina, Twilight Princess, etc. I think like when I just see Ganon as like a as a villain, that's kind of more just like a generic thing to me. I if that makes same. sense. Yeah, I sure. Think the exact yeah. Same thing. Like it's it's almost just like fighting Bowser, but you know, it's just kind of like a it's an enemy that we all know that could be at the end of the game. But when you when you're talking about Ganondorf the character, I'm like, okay, well we know this guy, we know a lot about him and, and everything like that. So, um, yeah, I was. I was just like, man, how are they going to do this? Like, because uh, because he did, and that that's what surprised me about the <laughs> uh, the the timeline placement. Because I had I had never looked at where this game was on the timeline. You know, that's it's just not my thing. But when I saw that it was like the very very last game, I'm like, I'm pretty sure Gandorf is dead. Like, I think I think he's done for at this point. So like, I wonder what we're doing to bring him back. So I was kind of excited, but yeah, I, I don't know. It was weird to see that we have now a different ganondorf because i've always kind of thought that like the uh the whole demise is cursed would just possess someone else someone new well i think the one of the things that gets me and I'm, i just kind of had this thought of you know the, when you first get to learning about ganondorf in this game they tell you the same basically basic history from that you get in ocarina of time about every 100 years there's a male born to the gerudo tribe and he is supposed to be our leader wouldn't this this generation of Gerudo look back on their history and say, last time we named a guy, a male, our male king Ganondorf, a lot of bad things happened. So let's not use this name again. I, you know. Yeah, you know, and, and I guess to be fair, like it's been ages since yeah. uh, the last, you know. But you know, if, uh, maybe and maybe I was just reading into this, but it sounded like when when you go to uh, the Gerudo village. It, it mostly seems like they're talking about Ganondorf, like he's a pretty decent guy, until he just kind of goes AWOL and, and goes into the, the pyramid. Hmm. Yeah. Which is actually, that's a really cool thing, too. So, like, the le- some of the levels take place in a pyramid, and so, in my mind, I'm like, this is awesome. This is the pyramid from the Dark World. And they never explicitly say that, but I obviously, you know, obviously I think they want you to draw that comparison or come to that conclusion. I thought that that was really cool, like a nice little callback to uh, a link to the past it makes me hopeful and kind of like gives me a little bit of to think about where breath of the wild 2 is coming out with a antagonist that clearly looks like ganondorf makes me wonder if he will be a different ganondorf too it's an interesting thought there i mean there is precedent for bringing someone back from the dead or making a new ganondorf uh, mm. you know according to four swords adventures um, so I do think that it was it was kind of a little disappointing to me because you don't ever get to see Ganondorf or fight Ganondorf. You find out that he has stolen the uh, the trident from the pyramid, and then that turns him into Ganon, the traditional blue Ganon that we all know and love. Um, I would have loved to see a fight with like Ganon and Vadi together, actually. And I kind of feel like. I kind of feel if I'm going to if I'm going to be fair and I'm going to go ahead and say give Twilight Princess troubles last week for the what they did with Zant and Ganondorf coming in and replacing him. 
they kind of did the same thing with Vadi in this game, where like Vadi was the big bad of the game until you you're just like, nope, it's actually Ganondorf, and then you fight Vadi, but he's just like the second to last boss, and it's it's by the time that you fight him, you know that it's all about Ganon. I, I agree with that, and that's that, that's always been one of my issues with Twilight Princess too, but I actually kind of think that precedence for that was set in in a link to the past and i'm not not throwing shade on a link to the past it's it is uh, it is an i it is an icon of zelda whatever but agonim is that same sort of role where he's really the first bad guy you're introduced to and his whole intent is to bring ganon into the light world and so I think every time that a Zelda game has done that, I think it's been maybe more poorly done, but it's been a reference back to that because that worked so well in A Link to the Past. Yeah, like I, I think with Aghanim, at least you knew that he was trying to resurrect someone else. Like you knew that he had a master that he was trying to bring back. Yes, and I, and that's you know that's I think that's why I think this is when you have these, it's a poorer version of that. They. I think them trying to be maybe more subtle about, oh, you know, maybe they're really working for somebody else and things like that. It doesn't work as well because then you're like, well, you're not the main bad guy. You're, 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 you're jabroni number one or jabroni number two. <laughs> oh man. So let's talk about one thing that uh, I think that this game also does. That's pretty cool. You, you end up fighting who, who are called the Knights of Hyrule and there's four knights and each of them has been like basically murdered and corrupted. So it's kind of like it's kind of cool because you're fighting these guys and you're trying to get uh, you're trying to get these these royal jewels back and you got to beat them all and they're all Stalfos now. Um, I really like that part of the story. Uh, I was it would have been cool if they had maybe a bit more backstory to them, but just as like kind of antagonists, I thought that that was like pretty awesome. It kind of like a nice little. Uh, parallel with the four knights versus the four links mm. and the yep. four champions the four maybe champions there you go maybe later on yeah i wonder yeah that's pretty that that's kind of a neat little uh quinky dink that right was there. my first my first thought when i was replaying this and i remembered the you know the four knights of hyrule here and i'm like well the four knights of hyrule that's essentially what the champions were in breath of the wild is they are you know they're 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 the four leaders of these people chosen to defend Hyrule well that's essentially what the four knights were doing is we're defending Hyrule by protecting these the gems the crests and whatnot that's pretty cool actually yeah I didn't I didn't even think of that that's uh, that's a really cool comparison to make actually um another really cool comparison to make as we have kind of said earlier in the show here is speaking of Twilight Princess so we learn about uh, a tribe long ago they're called, actually, I'll just quote directly from the game. A dark tribe invaded Hyrule and then were sealed away in the mirror. And it's called the Dark Mirror. And Ganondorf has actually stolen this Dark Mirror. And that is how he's producing all of these shadow links that are terrorizing Hyrule. I mean, like, does this sound like a game that we were talking about just last <laughs> week? It does, it does. That's really cool. Because this game came out before Twilight Princess did. Maybe that's where they got their idea from. But is it's not the same tribe. It's different, right? 
or does it well, feel they like don't, it's the they same? They don't really say it. They're quite ambiguous about it, actually. Yeah, That's the only th- the only connection I think is the Zuna tribe there in the desert because they're the ones that supposedly were descended from the ones that built the pyramid. But I don't, I don't think there's an actual connection to the mirror through them. It makes me wonder if it's a different one, like just how many you know openings to all these other worlds there are how many magic mirrors does the royal family have laying around (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's interesting i like that idea that there's so many different parallel worlds going on um with different like hyrule can't figure their lives out so they're just like let's just throw them in this mirror (laughs) send them somewhere else It, it definitely is pretty cool though and that was that was like a key plot point that we must have just skipped by whenever we were playing this together mm-hmm. is like where all the dark links were coming from um who was responsible for them when i read that i was like oh wow that's awesome like that's that's totally twilight princess right there like that's got to be the same thing and i just thought that was so cool that like obviously i you know they um, they obviously must have had an idea where the story of twilight princess was going at this point because mm-hmm. this game only came out about two years before mm-hmm. but even to incorporate that into the game in, in such a clever way, I really liked. And it was it was cool, too, to see, like, you know, oftentimes in Legend of Zelda, whenever you fight Dark Link, he just kind of shows up. Like, there's not really an explanation to why he's there, what he's doing. He's just, like, a cool-looking enemy. This one gave you an explanation of who Dark Link was, why he was there, and I really, I, I really liked it, especially because Dark Link is so prominent in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I thought that that was like, I thought it was really cool. I was like actually blown away when I read that. Um, let's not, And you mentioned the the Zuna tribe. Let's actually talk about them for a second because uh, they are uh, they are equatorial, I guess is the word, to Four Swords Adventures. They have never been in another Zelda game. So these guys kind of look, they kind of look like Subrosians almost from, uh, from the Oracle games where they yeah. have, it looks like they have hoods on. They're kind of like, um, it looks like they're green bodies. They're kind of Middle Eastern inspired um, looking characters. I thought it was really cool that we get this uh, this entire, you know, species basically that uh, that we don't see in any other Zelda game. So I hope that we see the Zuna tribe in uh, in another game. That'd be that'd be kind of cool. It looks like they're kind of kind of keepers of the pyramid is their role in this game. Maybe they'll be the uh, the retconned uh, Zonai from Breath of the Wild, oh, with all their like crazy architecture and stuff like that. And the swirls. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I I just want to put over Four Swords Adventures here for a minute because I, I like everyone else, like everyone listening to this, I'm sure, have heard that this is not one of the better Zelda games. Have heard that there's you know it's it's not worth the effort that it takes to play it i really 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 strongly encourage anybody that is on the fence with four swords adventures if you have the capability of playing it solo i really encourage you guys to do so it's really fun i had a really good time with it um it was it wasn't as as much of a pain in the butt as i thought to play just by myself i i I had a lot of fun playing it like i said it's it's very it's very strategic, very methodical. It's very much a Zelda game. And I think that that's kind of what 
a lot of us lose when we talk about Four Swords Adventures is we talk about it as like this weird spin-off game. And, you know, in a way it is a weird spin-off game, but it is also very much a Zelda game, uh, much more so than I think some games like Triforce Heroes um, or obviously, you know, Hyrule Warriors, Cadence of Hyrule are. Um, I think it's really worth worth anyone's time that is listening to this. I hope that we've at least convinced a few people to go ahead and play Four Swords Adventures uh, solo because I yeah I just I can't say it enough I I really had a good time it was really fun and I was frankly surprised by how much I liked this game by myself I imagine it's going to be part of the definitive ranking series that Ma, Susan Goo are doing so I that's what I'm going to play it for now that I know that I have the capabilities of playing it solo that's definitely what I'm going to play it for so that I can actually feel like I have a legit um, ranking of that game that's what I'm looking forward to for it. Well, and I think one other like neat thing that I love about it is it's one of the, it's the only canon Zelda game that brings together really all the the three biggest final bosses in Vadi, Ganon, and Dark Link, and it's it's you know the the fact that you have all three of those in a game that's canon to the lore and is so much fun to play is just really unique and really fun uh anyone that's listening to this if you have slept on four swords adventures sleep no more by god this game is really fun hopefully you know hopefully we will be talking in the next year or so about an enhanced port on the switch that doesn't require all these these gizmos and gimmicks to to play it but in the meantime i think that it really is worth it it's uh it's definitely a game that's slept on and it it definitely is worth your time and it's definitely you know it's definitely a great zelda game again i think that gets lost when you talk about four swords adventures so this is a really great zelda game if you like a link to the past you'll love four swords adventures uh, i i almost guarantee it one thing that i know that i will not love is triforce heroes so like i mentioned <laughs> at the start of this i just picked up triforce heroes that's going to probably be the next game that we do a deep dive into like we did today. God. But you're playing it solo. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I just... it'll be better. Maybe it'll be better solo. We've had a conversation nah. about this. I think he needs to play it multiplayer because he hasn't really in uh. any real way. And I think he would have more fun with it than solo. <laughs> you know what? At least it's not ugly, though. Not... <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Oh, All right, man. before we get out of here, does anybody have anything that they uh, want to say about Four Swords Adventures in closing, or, or anything in closing, really? I have been educated, and I'm excited that I get to play it, and I have the I have the means to play it. It's dangerous to go alone. Take three other links. <laughs> Allison, thank you for uh, riding on our coattails this week. I appreciate it. Heck yeah. David, thank you for coming on the Champions Cast for, uh, for this week. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> That was, uh, that was fun. I always love talking and doing these deep dives into the different Zelda games. Uh, we want you guys to deep dive into Podbean, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like and subscribe. Uh, tell a friend about the Champions Cast if you've got a Zelda fanatic in your life. Let them know where they can get all of the best and latest Zelda news and information and hot takes. That's right here on Podbean and ZeldaDungeon.net. You can find me at Twitter at spateria 316 david is, is at twitter at what is it david wayne just dave wayne 09 i i almost had it i was gonna say david wayne 09 it's close allison is at 
Allison Oliva. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Again, thank you guys for listening to the Champions Cast, and we will be back next week with a very special episode that I am excited to talk about. It's going to be full of rumor and innuendo. We will see you then. Take care. Bye.